good to see you guys, and thank you for being here. Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Riley. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here, and all I can say is God is good. Uh, it's so good to worship with one another and just to be in a place where we can uh, just be in fellowship and just lift Jesus' name on high. It's such a privilege, and I never want to take it for granted. And so um, it's so good that you guys are here. I'm just going to move that back a little bit. There we go. Um, and so today we are going back into our series based on the fruits of the Spirit. Um, and our series is based off of the passage in Galatians 5, verse 22. And it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And so today we're going to be talking about the fruit of kindness. All right, and so when I, was, when I was younger, and I still am now, I was really into sports. Okay, I loved sports. I'd play... I played all the sports I possibly could. I played basketball, soccer, baseball, volleyball, golf, competitive knitting. Um, some, I'm, I'm kidding. I saw some of you guys be like, what? No, I, I, don't, I did not do that. I'm so sorry. I wish I did, though. Um, but I was really into sports. And so one of my main ones was volleyball. So in grade 10, I was playing volleyball. I was on a club team. So we played for, I was playing for the, the Kelowna team. Um, and I thought, like, I'm, I'm naturally good at sports. Like, I'll toot my own horn. I'm naturally good at sports. And I was like, I know I'm good. Like, I know I'm pretty good. I know I wasn't the best on the team, but I know I was pretty good. And so we were on this one game. And I remember we had a coach who was, uh, he played for Team Canada back in the day. So he was, like, he was really good. But this guy was what I call more of, like, a, he was a straight shooter. He just told you how it is. He wasn't, you know, he didn't cut corners, beat around the bush a little bit. He was a straight shooter. So I remember one day we were... We were warming up for a game, and when you warm up for a game in volleyball, usually uh, you have a chance to like, hit the ball over the net. So our coach goes to the net, and he throws the ball, and we all take turns approaching, hitting, you know, just kind of warming up and getting going. And I remember it was my turn, and so he, he threw it, and I ran. I approached, I jumped, I hit it, and I was like, while I was hitting, I was like, whew. It's like, that's a nice one. Like, that's going to intimidate the other team when they see that. I was feeling pretty good about myself. And so I landed, and I went to go get my ball, and my coach was like, hey, Riley, and I turned around. And I won't forget what he told me. He looked at me, he's like, I couldn't even swipe a credit card underneath your jump. That's how bad it is. And I was like, <laughs> thanks, coach. <laughs> thanks, coach. Uh, he, was a real, he was a straight shooter. He didn't know kind of what kindness was. He didn't know that maybe telling that to one of your students was maybe not the nicest thing to say. And it should be noted that after that comment, I never got to play a hitting position again on the volleyball team. So obviously, he noticed something while it was happening. He also was a guy when we were playing in the finals of provincials. Uh, and I know I was, I was playing a little. I wasn't playing my greatest. And so I know I was playing bad. But I got, ta I got subbed out. And my one coach, another guy, uh, he was, I came off. He's like, hey, good job, Riley. Thanks for putting in the work. We appreciate the effort. Why don't you take a rest? I was like, thanks, coach. Appreciate it. And I sat down. My other coach turned around. He's standing up. He looked at me. He's like, Riley, you were sucking, so we took you out. And just, <laughs> just turned away. I was like, thanks, coach. <laughs> you know, it's okay. I understood him. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, <laughs> it didn't hurt me. But he just didn't, this guy didn't have room for kindness. All right? And, you know, kindness isn't a natural response for people. It's sometimes hard to be kind. Last week, Kirsten and I were walking down by Skaha, where we always do, and we were walking our dog uh, later at night, and we were walking along the boardwalk, um, and there were some people, probably on vacation, there were some teenagers, and they were on bikes, okay, and they were doing like wheelies down the boardwalk, just like wheeling their way, and I was like, that's pretty cool. I was like, that's, pr that's pretty nif nifty. Uh, but then they started to do something where they'd wheelie, and they'd get as close as they could to people, and then they would veer out of the way the last second, and they would start laughing, and I was like, oh. That's not, that's not very nice. Uh, and then, but they kept doing it. And then one time they came up behind Kirsten and I, and they did the same thing. They veered, and I could feel the wind whew, on the back of my head. And I was like, excuse me? 
I was like, you did not just do that. I started to get a little annoyed. I started to get a little angry. I'm like, well, you can't do that. That's so rude. People were getting annoyed. And I was like, you know what? I started thinking myself, I was like, you know what? If they do that again, you know what I'm, gonna do? I'm just going to turn around. I'm just going to give them a nice little swift kick to the bike or push them over. And he'll fall over. And, and they'll stop doing it. And everyone will just start clapping and say, thank you. And I'll be like, you're welcome. You know? Those are the feelings I was starting to get. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's what I was feeling. But then something came to my mind, probably the Holy Spirit. And it was like, Riley! You're preaching on kindness this coming week, and you're thinking about kicking someone off a bike. And I was like, I was like, I know, but they deserve it. And so my mind was in this battle. I was like, oh, like, I want to do this because they deserve it, and they're being rude. But the Holy Spirit was like, Riley, think of kind ways to respond. I was like, the kind way would be maybe a gentle push, you know? (laughs) They didn't come back, so I didn't have the opportunity to decide what I was going to do yet. So, um... But I didn't want to show them kindness. I did not want to. So why is kindness so hard to show sometimes? Have you ever felt moments where you knew that you should be responding kindness? Okay, or that you knew you should have, but you didn't actually. Have you ever thought about why it's so hard to? You know, why is it so hard to forgive someone? You know, why? But it is incredibly hard. Have you ever been at work and you're representing the company and a customer comes in and they're just blowing their lid off, just going off and being rude and you're just like standing there like sweating a little bit, that, that vein is appearing, you're like, gotta be kind, gotta be kind, yes, yes, but in reality all you want to do is be mean to them back because they're being so rude. You know, being kind sounds so simple, so basic, so easy, but it's so hard to do. Why is that way? You know, the sermon should be so easy. I should just be like this. Hey guys, everyone, look. Okay, we're all going to be more kind this week, right? Everyone give me a thumbs up. And everyone would give me a thumbs up. We're like, sweet, all right, let's go. Let's get out of here. It should be that easy. But it's not. It's not easy to be kind. You know, you understand the struggle. I think it's because our culture doesn't promote being kind anymore. It's all about how we can get ahead. How we can be the, ne- the, the strongest will survive. You know, it's all about promoting ourselves and not other people. You know, we want to be nice, but it's so hard. You know, it's so hard to be nice in an increasingly mean and nasty world that we live in. Yet God asks us to practice and emulate kindness. So how do we get there? How do we become marked by kindness? So that's what we're going to be talking about today because all who call Jesus Lord need to be marked by fruit, need to be marked by kindness. Timothy Keller, a popular author and also a very good pastor, says, We are not saved by fruit. We are saved by faith. But you will never be saved by fruitless faith. We need to strive for the fruit of the Spirit. We need to strive for kindness. Okay, and so this brings us to what the Bible defines kindness as. And that is that kindness is love in motion. Kindness is the act of love, not the thought of it. You can't just think nice things and that's being kindness. You have to act it out. You have to show it in the actions. And so Jesus teaches us through the popular story of the Good Samaritan what supernatural kindness looks like and what it means to walk out that supernatural kindness. And so we're going to be diving into that story. If you, if you have a Bible, you can flip to Luke chapter 10, uh, and we'll start in verse 30, and we're just going to slowly chunk it out. Um, and we'll start partway through, but just so you know the context, uh, Jesus was teaching, and an expert of, the, of, of uh, religious law, one of the religious guys, asked him a question about who's his neighbor, and how to love, and how to be kind, and this is Jesus' response to him. So let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 30. I'm reading out of the NLT. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. 
Okay, we'll stop there. First thing we need to know about this story. Okay, we have a Jewish man, and then we're also going to meet someone else, and he's, uh, the, he's the Samaritan man. Okay, so you need to know the difference between these two people. Okay, so the, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were two different races, but they lived in Israel at the same time together. And they hated each other. Okay, anyone uh, watch hockey? Does anyone cheer for like the Calgary or Edmonton? You know? Yeah, does anyone cheer for Calgary? Let's see the Calgary fans in here. Anyone? Oh. <laughs> anyone cheer for Edmonton? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow, okay. I would not want to be a Calgary fan in here, let me tell you that. Okay, but Calgary and Edmonton, they hate each other, okay? They, they always bicker. They're always like, my team's the best, my team's the best. They don't like each other, okay? It's just like this, but even worse. The Jewish people and the Samaritan people, they hated each other. There was so much racism, bigotry, and awfulness. You wouldn't even catch them talking to one another. Okay, so they were pretty much enemies. And so I find this really funny. Jesus was talking to a, a religious man, someone who was Jewish, and he used, the person he uses in the story as the hero is the person that he hates the most, a Samaritan man, which I just find Jesus' humor is so good uh, and so funny. And so this man was traveling down the road. He gets attacked by robbers. They didn't just take his stuff. They beat him up, stripped him naked, and left him pretty much dying on the road. Okay, and then we see three different people enter the story. Okay, and I want us to know that these three different people represent different attitudes that we can have when it comes to kindness. Okay, and we can have all of these attitudes in the same day. It's not like you just have one and that's who you are. You can have all of them in the same day. Just depending, it's how you respond to people in kindness. And so we're going to look at these three people and their responses and kind of what they represent. So we're going to continue reading. Luke chapter 10, verse 31 says, By chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. Okay, we'll stop right there. Okay, a priest comes in. He's walking down the road and he sees a man who's clearly in need, who's clearly dying, he sees him, and he passes by on the other side of the road. Okay, and so this is the first attitude that we can have when it comes to responding to people in kindness. The first attitude that we can develop is the attitude of avoidance. Okay, out of sight, out of mind. This man sees, but he decides to put distance between him and this person is that, and that's in need. You know, he's like, if I don't see what's happening, if I don't see it, then I'm not going to feel like I need to help. So he sees the man, he's like, well, nope, and keeps walking the other way. So he doesn't feel like he needs to help, like he needs to deal with the situation. You know, I think it's at youth sometimes. You know, we have a, a fun night at youth, we've cleaned up, chairs are back, people are leaving, leaders are leading, and I'm closing up, and all I see is just a bunch of crushed Cheetos up here in the front. And the, the, trust me, uh, we don't do that, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but a bunch of Cheetos crushed in the carpet, and I see it, and I'm like, it's like, it's like 10 o'clock, I'm like, yeah, and I'll like walk away, turn off the lights, close the door, lock the door, and just kind of get as far as I can away from it. Because if I get away from it, then I don't have to deal with it. You know, if I don't see the mess, then I don't feel like, oh, I should do this, I, I should clean it up. If I don't see it, I, if, I walk, if I ignore it, I can just walk away. If I avoid the mess, I don't have to deal with it. And this is what this man does. He sees the mess. And instead of thinking about, oh, should I help it, he sees the mess and runs the other way so that he doesn't have to deal with it. Out of sight, out of mind. And so this can happen in our lives. You know, we avoid certain people because they can be a little too messy. You know, that there's, there's too much baggage with them that we don't want to deal with them because we know it's going to be hard. So who have you been avoiding lately? Who is uh, someone that's in your life that is in need that you know you could help but you don't want to talk to them because it's messy and so you don't want to deal with them. Like, they'll deal with them on their own and you just don't want to talk to them. Who is that person? So we don't want to avoid people. We don't want to be out of sight, out of mind. Okay, and we'll continue reading. Verse 32, a temple assistant, also called a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Okay, now we see a Levite. So this is a guy, again, also religious, 
man, he walks, he walks in, he sees the guy, he walks over, he's interested, but he's not interested enough to actually help him, and so he goes back to the other side. And so this is the second attitude that we can develop. Okay, this is the attitude of apathy. Curious but uncaring. Okay, the definition of apathy is lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Okay, the Levite saw the man, went over to look at him, then walked by the other way. Okay, this is what it's like. This is brutal. Okay, the man is right here. Okay, he's walking on this side of the road. He walks, he sees, he goes over to him. He's like, wow. And then goes back on the other side and keeps going. That's how brutal it was. Okay, that's how brutal uh, he, uh, he was to him. Okay, and I'm, this is what is so annoying about this, these two people. The first guy's a priest, second guy's a Levite, both Christian people. Yet both of these people did not demonstrate kindness. And so I want us to know that if someone calls himself a Christian, it doesn't make you a kind person. Just calling yourself a Christian and knowing Jesus doesn't make you a kind person. Okay, becoming Christ-like does. So never put that title, because I see so many Christians being so nasty. But the thing is, they aren't becoming Christ-like, because becoming Christ-like is what makes you a kind person. And so he's apathetic to this man. Okay, he sees a need, but he decides it's not worth his time. So how can we see this creeping into our lives? Okay, how often do you see people post on social media about a loved one dying or someone is sick or a diagnosis they got or they're losing a house? Okay, and we comment on Facebook, we say praying. You put this emoji, the praying emoji. We say praying. Okay, but we don't actually do anything about it. All we say is we're praying on a status. Okay, let it, we sometimes do that and let it alone even pray. I've done that before. I said pray, praying and then I kept scrolling and, didn't, and I stopped myself as Riley. I didn't even pray. Okay, how often do we post those kind of things without actually doing anything? Where's the action? Where's the bringing a meal over to the house? Where's going to be a shoulder to cry on? Where's the support? You know, we may want to be caring, but without action, there is nothing. Okay, commenting praying on a status is like being this guy who walks over, sees the need, walks over, has, says, hey, I'm praying for you, and then walks the other way and keeps going. You know, we need to be more kind in our actions. It's not just what we say, but it's the actions that we do. Okay, apathy is very hard to spot, but it will kill our love in action if it remains unchecked. And so beware of the attitude of apathy, curious but uncaring. All right, we're going to read the rest of this passage, 33 to 37. It says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. All right, let's do a quick recheck. That's what I do with youth, make sure they're still awake. Okay, what is the first attitude that we can have? Someone tell it, tell it to me. Avoidance, okay? Out of sight, out of what? Nice, that's pretty good, okay? Second, what's the second attitude we can get? Apathy. At, well, that one was a lot better. Apathy, okay? Uh, it's un... Wait, I don't want to screw this up. I already did it once. It's curious, but what? Uncaring. Uncaring. Okay, awesome. Great job. You guys are all awake. Fantastic. Okay, and now we have the third one. The third attitude is the attitude of altruism. Okay, supernatural kindness. He sees this man. 
He has compassion on him. He goes to him. He bandages him up. He soothes his wounds. He puts him on his donkey. He brings him to an inn, pays for the inn, and cares for him throughout the night. This man truly shows an altruistic attitude. The definition of altruism is when we act to promote someone else's welfare, even at the risk or cost to ourselves. Okay, the Samaritan, in my opinion, is the only one of the three people that had the right to not do anything. Jewish people and Samaritan hated each other. He had the right to see him and be like, ha ha, and keep going. But he was the only one who was allowed to, but yet he was the only one who actually went to him. And that's because in the kingdom of God, it's not like that. There's not two different people groups. Everyone is the same. God calls everybody his children. Okay, it's not just believers. He calls unbelievers his children. It's not people of our kind. It's other people as well. Okay, God cares for everybody, and he wants us to care for everyone. 1 John 3.17 says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? So the three men that we see in this story represent three different attitudes that we can have towards people. So I want you to think about it. Which one do you tend to lean towards? Which one do you, te- which one do you have in your life right now? Is it the avoidance? Out of sight, out of mind. Is it the apathetic attitude, curious but uncaring? Or is it the altruistic, supernatural kindness? Which attitude do you want to walk in more? You know, how do we become people, people who love Jesus, and how do we show and live out the supernatural kindness in a world that doesn't value kindness anymore? In a world that's getting increasingly mean and nasty? How do we change our hearts so that we can more naturally lean towards being kind? Okay, so the Good Samaritan teaches us what supernatural kindness looks like, but also helps us understand how we can become more kind, how we can walk out love in action. And so we're going to look at the Samaritan's response, and there's four ways that we, as believers, can become kinder people. So let's break it down. It says, Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man. So the first way that we can become kinder people is that we see the needs of people around me. Okay, it starts with seeing. Okay, if you don't see a need, you won't know that there is one. Okay, when I'm driving places, I can sometimes get this like tunnel vision kind of stuff when I'm driving, where I like, I know where I'm going, and so I kind of just like, I just go. Okay, and so often, Kirsten and I will drive to my parents' place, where they live in West Kelowna, and before we leave, Kirsten's like, hey, can we stop at Starbucks on the way? I would love to get a coffee. I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely we can. And so we'll get in the car, we'll start driving, and I'm like, hey, I know where I'm going. I've driven this a million times. Going to the house, and I can like, it's like autopilot almost. I can just go. And then suddenly I'm in West Cologne, I'm like, ah, I'm like, Kirsten, we didn't stop at Starbucks, I'm so sorry. And she's like, I know. <laughs> like, yikes, it's happened more than once, trust me. Okay, but we can get this tunnel, I get this tunnel vision where I'm like, I know where I'm going and I forget everything else. Okay, I forget to see the need that Kirsten has that she would like some coffee. Okay, same goes for us in life. We can sometimes get this tunnel vision where we know where we're going, where we know what we're doing, and we just kind of like put our head down and we go. Okay, and then we don't see, we don't look to the left or the right of us to see if there's any needs. You know, when we leave church, sometimes we're like, you know, I gotta make it to my lunch rezo. You got people to meet, and so, you know, music, he just strums that last chord and says goodbye, and you're just like, turn, and you go and just, you're getting out of here. You're just like, your head down, getting out of here. We get that tunnel vision of getting out of church. But we do that, sometimes we don't see that the person behind us is actually a mess and is crying. Okay, we don't see the person in the back is, is desperately in need of prayer, Care the person, uh, someone has been waiting to talk to you because you're their only safe person. They just need to unload. Okay, we, if we don't see things, then we won't know that there's a need. 
We get this tunnel vision. We are such a hurry that we don't see the needs of our brothers and sisters uh, beside us. Okay, often people come to church because this is a place where there is a need. They need something, and so they come here. The church is full of broken people, and we all need something. And so have you been looking? Have you been looking for that need? Have you been looking for that person that, that walked in is in, on their, their last straw? Okay, have you been looking for the need, or have, have you been trying to get out in a hurry? Trying to get to your place. The slower that we go, the more we will see. So please, slow down. Look for those who are in need. Because just because you don't see it right away doesn't mean there's not a need. So we want to see the needs of people around us. Continuing on, it says, And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. So the second way to become kinder people is we must sympathize with their pain. Okay, it takes more than just seeing a need. We want to feel for them. Okay, the English word for compassionate comes from two Latin words, and the first one is compati. It says to suffer with, entering into pain. Okay, if you were here the last two weeks, you must be loving church, because Pastor Kirsten mentioned kindness is long-suffering, that we suffer for a long time, and now I'm saying we want to suffer with, entering into suffering. You're like, man, is Jesus so great or what? We just get to suffer all the time, and that is kind of correct. Okay, because kindness begins when we start to see things from someone else's perspective, and suffer alongside them. It will, take, it will take energy and effort. Okay, and I don't want to lie to you. I am not an emotional person at all. You know, I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not emotional. You can ask Kirsten. Okay, in my family, I have a brother who's actually here today. Um, and me and him are complete opposites. Okay, he's the guy who he feels. He wants to sit in emotion. He wants to, let's just talk it out. Let's just, let tears everywhere. Let's marinate in the sadness. And let's just talk about it and feel together. And <laughs> that's who he is. And I'm over here and I'm like, ew, let's just fist bump. You're good? All right, cool, let's go somewhere. Okay, so we're, we're complete opposites. Okay, he's the feeling guy. I am not. Okay, if you're, if you're a parent, I am your classic teenager. Okay, a teenager may have had the best day of their life at school. They come home, it was amazing, everything about it. And you'd be like, hey, how was your day? They're like, it was good. Okay, and then they'll have, the next day, they'll have the worst day of their life, and they'll come home, it was miserable. You'd be like, hey, how was your day? And they're like, it was good. You're like, you're like well, was it good or was it good? You know, that's me. Hey, there's some encouragement. It doesn't go away. Uh, so, so just learn to decipher a little bit more. That's pretty much me. Okay, but I have learned and very much practiced sympathizing with people's pain. Okay, learning to sit with them. Let them talk it out, just agreeing with them, validating their feelings. It's not natural for me, but it's something that I very much practice and learn because God has showed me the value and what it is in sitting in people's pain. And so we need to do that with people who are in need. Okay, and the easiest way that we can start doing this is two things. One, Shut your mouth, and two, open your ears, okay? I'm preaching to myself here. I love to talk. I like to fill words. I like to fix problems, but stop. Shut your mouth, open your ears, and listen. It's such an important yet disregarded gift. You don't just have to talk to someone to make them feel better. Just listen to them. Feel with them. Suffer with them. Let them know that there's someone else who cares, but not by your words, but by your actions. So let's sympathize with people's pain. Open your ears and close your mouths. Okay, continuing on. Going over to him, the Samaritan smoothed, uh, soothed his wounds. So the third way we can become more kind is don't wait, act now. Okay, the Samaritan saw the need and immediately went to him. 
Okay, there was no way in the option. He wasn't like, oh, I see this guy. Okay, my home's like five kilometers that way. I can just get my, my medicine, get my stuff. Oh, I'm a little hungry. It's going to be a long day. I'm going to eat really quickly, and then I'll go back and, and help this man. Okay, there's none of that. He saw the man, and he went immediately and used what he had to help him. Okay, Pastor Jer exemplifies this, in my opinion. Okay, if there's, if there's someone in the hospital, it doesn't matter if it's his day on or day off, if he's able to, he is there. He's texting us updates. He's, he's meeting their need. Okay, he goes immediately. Okay, another even just simple one. After church, the flags are still out. People are busy. He's, he doesn't sit there. He's like, oh, well, I'm the lead pastor. You know, I don't do those kind of things. You know, someone else will do it, stuff like that. He sees the, the flags and he just does it. He puts them away. He sees the need and he meets it. It doesn't matter. There's no weighing the pros and the cons. He sees the needs and he meets him. So what people has God put in your path that are in need right now? What is a need that you know of that hasn't been met? God often puts people in our path, often difficult people, so that we can exemplify Christ and help meet those needs and show them supernatural kindness. So don't wait. If you hear that someone is in pain, call them. Okay, if you see that someone is struggling, go to them. If, a lo- if someone just lost a loved one, bring them flowers and just sit with them and, and marinate in their pain. Let them, let it out. Okay, don't wait Let's do it now. Let's show true kindness. Love in action. Okay, I'm just going to condense the last part of uh, this story. It says, The man used his own supplies to bandage him up, used his donkey to bring him to the town, paid for his motel, and is willing to pay whatever else was needed. And so the fourth and final way that we be- can become kinder people is we must spend whatever it takes. Being kind to people will take energy. Time, money, and more. It isn't easy, but if we want to show supernatural kindness, this is what it will take. It will take everything. And what does it give us? Nothing, really. You know, a Samaritan man gained nothing from helping this man. He spent his time, energy, money, his reputation of helping a Jewish man, someone who was his enemy. Okay, he, he gave that and more, and he got nothing back. But God saw it. And that makes it all worth it. Proverbs 19:17 says, "Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and He will reward them for what they have done." He had places to be, yet he still stopped. You know, stopping is something that I think we need to do more of. If you look through the Gospels, you know, the like Gospel of Matthew, and study when Jesus stopped, you'll be—it's it, incredible. Every time that he was, on a, uh, was going somewhere and stopped was when miracles happened, when breakthroughs occurred, when people were healed. Every time he stopped. He was a busy man. Now, I don't think we can ever say that we were busier than Jesus. Okay, he had places to be. He had the cross on his mind. He had a mission to complete on earth, yet still, when he was going somewhere and someone needed, needed something, he stopped. And he met that need. So I encourage you, in your devotionals, go through one of the Gospels and study the stops of Jesus and what that means for us. And so who has come into your path? Who is saying, have mercy on me? Who has a need that, that we can meet? Can we see them? Are we willing to stop and go to them? Are we preoccupied with people in our lives, with us needing to get to lunch, or just being busy with other things? What are we willing to spend? Church, what will it take for us to move beyond just being nice? And begin showing true supernatural kindness, showing love in action, meeting needs of those around us, of people in our church, of people in our community, and more. 
And so let's dream. What would it look like, church, if we as a church embody this idea of showing supernatural kindness? Okay, what would it look like, each and every single one of, everyone in this room, if everyone in this room decided, I'm going to show supernatural kindness even just this week, what would it look like if we all agreed to do that? I see this auditorium being so full with people who have experienced the love and kindness of God that this room can't even hold them anymore. I see the supernatural kindness extend way beyond these walls into our community. That when people hear the name of Bethel, they're like, man, their, their immediate thoughts is what kind and loving and accepting people that those people are. I see a church who has never, never has a need go unmet because we are all looking for those needs and we are all meeting each other's needs. There's never a need that goes unmet anymore. I see many people coming to know Jesus because of the radical kindness that is shown by his people and his church. And this is all possible if we start with one need. If we slow down and look for that need. If we sympathize with people's pain if we act now, and if we are willing to do whatever it takes, it starts with one action. It, it literally starts with you. You have a decision to make. It starts with you. Are you wanting to be and wanting to show supernatural kindness to those around you? It's going to take work. It's going to take effort, but it can be done, and the world will change if we do that. People are starving for kindness. If we demonstrate kindness, I guarantee you that we will have an audience for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I find no other fitting way than to end today by participating in communion together. And so if you haven't grabbed communion, there's some tables at the back that you can uh, grab. So go ahead and do that right now. Okay, but Jesus showed incredible kindness 2,000 years ago. Kindness that will never be exceeded. It was the greatest act of kindness the world has ever seen and will ever see. Okay, Jesus understood that the price of our salvation, the price of our life was his death. And he did not hesitate to spend what it took. And he gave his life for us. His kindness means our salvation. His kindness means it's possible for us to have a relationship with him. His kindness means that we get life and life to the fullest right now. In Romans 2.4, it says that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So kindness leads those who have accepted Jesus to repentance. But kindness leads those who don't know Jesus to repentance and then to salvation. If you're a Christian, as we take communion, I encourage you, reflect on the kindness of God. Okay, reflect on what Jesus did, that he showed us unmerited kindness. That even though we are mean and even though we're nasty sometimes in our lives, that Jesus still saw that and was still willing to die on the cross for us. That was the greatest act of kindness he ever did. And so I hope that when you see that, that you begin to respond in, in repentance, saying, you know what, so I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for being a mean online. I'm sorry for being nasty to my coworker. I'm sorry for not showing kindness like you showed me. I hope and pray that it leads you to repentance. Okay, if you're not a Christian in this room, I hope that you are beginning to see that the kindness of the Lord is genuine, that he truly loves you, that he showed this greatest, kindest act the world's ever seen, even though that you didn't know them, know him. 
even though you haven't chosen him. He still said, I want to die for you. I want you to have life, have the opportunity to have life. And so he died for you. And so I hope and pray that you are beginning to see that and beginning to understand that, that God loves you so much and that act of kindness was for you. And I also hope and pray that knowing that will lead you to maybe repent. And repent sounds like a scary word, but it just means to turn away from our sinful actions of, of the flesh and turn towards Jesus. Can I pray that that maybe encourages you, maybe I should turn. Maybe this God guy is real and maybe you want to give your life to him. All you have to do is tell him. That's all you have to do today. And so both, both these people, it's intended that when we see God's kindness that we will be led to repentance. All right, let's pray together. God, I thank you, Lord, that you decided to show such kindness to us, Lord. That when you were here on earth, that you showed us what it looked like to live out supernatural kindness. God, and you showed us the ultimate act of, of kindness and that you went to the cross for us, that you saw me, that you saw everyone in this room, and you said, I'm willing to die for you. Lord, and so you went to the cross and you took on that death, that pain, that sacrifice so that we could have life, God. Thank you. God, I thank you for the three people in this audience that put up their hands. They wanted to accept you, God. I pray, would you fill them with your kindness, Lord? Would you fill them with your love? Would you fill them with your grace, Lord? Would they tell you right now that, God, I believe in you and I want to follow you for the rest of my life? Jesus, would they say that in their own words to you? And would they realize that a relationship with you is living and active, Lord, and they can come to you whenever they need, Jesus. Would they know that they are loved, and they are accepted, and they are now in the family of God? God, I pray, Lord, as we understand your kindness and learn about kindness, Lord, would we just take a moment to reflect on our own lives and, and see the, the times where we haven't been very kind, God. And would we repent of those actions saying, God, I'm sorry for being mean. I'm sorry for doing this, Lord. And would we just turn to you and keep our eyes focused on you and run to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. That your kindness leads us to repentance, Lord, and repentance leads to us keeping our eyes set upon you, God. And I pray as we go from this place, Jesus, we decide that we want to show supernatural kindness to all of those around us regardless if we like them, regardless if they're part of our kind, Jesus, regardless of anything, that we show everyone supernatural kindness. That includes the person on the street, that includes the worker at Wendy's, Lord, that includes family members that we don't like, Jesus. Would we decide to show supernatural kindness to everyone, Lord, because of your greatest act of kindness? Be with us as we leave, Lord, and just convict our hearts. Speak to us, Jesus. Would our relationship with you be living and active, not just on the Sundays, but every day of the week, Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord, that we get to worship you here. Thank you so much that we get to learn about your word, Jesus. And thank you so much that we have, get to have a living and active relationship with you, God. We pray all this in your mighty and great name. Amen.